14 News Podcast with your host, James Colbert. Aye, aye, Minkers. Happy New Year. It's 2023. I think that's the first time I've actually said 2023. Doesn't quite feel right yet in the mouth, does it? Anyway, how are you all? Did you have a good break? I hope you did. I hope you did. I hope you had plenty of food, plenty of love, and maybe the odd drink as well. But welcome back, uh, the first show of 2023. I've got a really lovely interview with um, Jordan, James and Kyle. Been wanting to interview them for a while and, and finally got it together to do it. So uh, yeah, really entertaining, really lovely guys, very talented young men as well. Um, so really, really good to get them on the show and have a, have a chat with them. Going to try and do a few more chats and get just get some content kind of in between shows, which is great. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I went viral the other day, so that was bizarre. I, I kind of went to, I've been saying for a while what I'd like to do is go to East Drive in Pontefract, known as the most haunted, uh, the most violent poltergeist in the world, not most haunted, the most violent poltergeist in the world, and do a, an overnight stay and live stream it by myself in the dark. I thought it'd be a really good metaphor for this violent, evil force that you are kind of trapped against and do it to raise money for a domestic abuse service. And so my uh, my grandparents' ashes are scattered at Bonifrac Cemetery, so I decided to go through and we went there and then went to visit my, uh, my great cousins and... Um, I just did a quick video saying I'm going to do this, just announced it, didn't really think much of it, you know, so I've, got, I've had a couple of thousand on some of my, my TikTok videos, and then my phone started going crazy, and within like half an hour I'd had like 15,000 views, and then it just kept going up and up, and in 24 hours I had 200,000 views, which was amazing, but at the same time so many people got in touch with me telling me that they've been victims of abuse. So, and I know, you know, I know people have shared who listen to the show that they have as well. So I'm going to do this for you guys. So I have booked a date provisionally at the moment. It's the 10th of August. I'm going to include a Just Giving page um, in, in the notes below. Anyone that's linked to the media, if you could kind of let them know I'm doing this. And even if you have no money, can you just share it on social media and stuff? And we'll try and get as much money as we can. It's, it's, it's rising. It rose during COVID and with the cost of living crisis, it's rising again and again and again. And it's a plague of the community. You know, it ends up costing services so much money, but it absolutely destroys the lives of the people that are in it. And it's, um, it's something that's really important to me just due to how I grew up. Um, so I want to kind of, I don't want other kids because they're also the victims, not always the, the person being abused. So let's do this. It's going to be interesting. Um, as you know, stuff often happens around me, so it should be an interesting night. And uh, yeah, I hope it makes for an entertaining feed. But also the most important thing is, is we, can, we can raise some money for IDAS, who are an amazing domestic abuse charity. They, they help the victims of abuse, but they've also got some programs for those people that are brave enough to admit that they are abusers and to learn how to change as well. 
And I take my hat off to those people that do do that. So I'm going to put this interview up now for you guys to have a listen. I hope you enjoy it. And um, I've got a few more lined up. We're going to trickle them out and I've started writing the next show. I'm on it. Uh, it's it's only a few days into January and I'm keeping on top of it. So let's hope that this is the great start for the new year. So I'm not going to waffle on like I always do. I think I've already done enough of that. And um, I'm just going to uh, pass you over to these guys. So enjoy. See you afterwards. Take care. Welcome, everyone. Um, today I'm interviewing Jordan Thomas Sendall, James Weeds and Kyle Ball, makers of the brilliant Norfolk Sea Creature, and the forthcoming Creature from Scroby Sands. I saw both these films at the 14 Film Festival of last year and the year before. Really talented people, um, really kind, lovely guys as well. So really excited to interview them, find out about their projects and about what got them into this. So welcome all. How are you all? Did you have a good Christmas? Hello. Yeah, it was really good. Thank you for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Over here, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Nice Excellent. Did you um we, we did a we did a quiz about some of the peculiar Christmas traditions around the world as the last show. Do, do you guys have any kind of strange traditions that you do each Christmas? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um we we um the three of us went creature spotting on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and did you <laughs> No, unfortunately not. No, the mist was too thick on Christmas Eve, unfortunately. Well, there is actually um, a, a thing. A lot of families go and see the... There are a lot of seals um, that... Um, they have pups on the beach here, so a lot of people will go out sort of just after Christmas to see those. Fantastic. We, we had a Christmas walrus in Scarborough this year. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so that that was it. That was uh, quite a surprise. Yeah, that kind of trumps seals a little bit. Yeah, it? It does. yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was amazed how big it was. I'm I'm six foot two, and it if it stood on its tail, it would be taller than me, and about five times my width as well. So oh, it was, uh, yeah, it's amazing to see. Quite a surprise, but yeah, he's on his way now. Apparently, he's gone <laughs> further up north or something. So oh, yeah, and the what Christmas was, walrus. The three, us, the three of us who went out and did some karaoke Christmas Eve together. We all sang. What's that song we sang? Um, uh, Stay Now by uh, oh, East, yeah. East 17 we uh, we did a beautiful rendition that had everyone in the pub crying it was a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful moment and did you did you wear the hats slightly on top of your heads yeah it was a little bit too, it was a bit impromptu really so with a bit of forward planning we would have yeah, uh, yeah, we would have gone in full <laughs> regalia but uh, big white coats massive hoods and yeah yeah <laughs> fantastic that sounds fantastic like you yeah like you've had a good time so you guys are filmmakers and you you know specialized in you you started this fact or fiction kind of series Mm. what what kind of got you into filmmaking originally what what took you from being people that kind of watch films to people that wanted to make films i i think the most interesting thing is um i studied film um from, from when i went to college and I just raped James and Carl into it, basically. Um, every film I ever made, uh, Kyle, I had no actors ever. So um, Kyle was always the main actor in anything that I ever wrote um, from like day one. And Which so I had no interest, by the way. he had no interest in being a filmmaker at all. <laughs> and then uh, he's kind of like worked his way into being like actually a part of the, the production. It's quite funny. And, and James, obviously, 
yeah um <clears throat> we we sort of spoke uh at school and stuff but we didn't really start becoming proper friends until recently so that's when um james sort of got involved with it as well really fantastic yeah. I, I noticed um sorry go ahead no 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 you're fine uh, I, was, I was just going to say like and in terms of the, the the process of us um starting to make films together that all sort of happened around the end of 2019 when uh, we realized that we all have our individual sort of uh creative ambitions uh for lack of a better word uh, so with Kyle, it's portrait painting. With myself, it's writing. With Jordan, it's photography and filmmaking. And we realised, well, we felt as if there wasn't that many networking opportunities in Great Yarmouth. So then we mm. thought, well, yeah. if we support and encourage each other in our own individual um, pursuits, then hopefully, you know, we, we will still get be able to uh, produce the things that we want to do. And so it, I think just naturally we try to create a project where we're using all of our strengths individually and then sort of learning new things in different areas, which has been really, really good. I think also it's just a case of why not make a film? We all love films. We love throwing ourselves into things out of our comfort zone and we just kind of went for it, really. Fantastic. I noticed that um, Kyle played a, a lady in the, the new trailer <laughs> and, and that was apparently an accident, but you stuck with it, I overheard you saying. Yeah, so we wanted to just sort of record one scene as test footage to see what it would look like. Um, we used Jordan's car on Great Yarmouth Seafront. We all live in Great Yarmouth. And we said, oh, it could be like an extra, a bonus feature for the DVD where me and James play the characters, Reese and Jade. And um, yeah, we, we thought that was funny enough and we kept it. We, we didn't really see any reason to change it, did we? After that? Yeah. It definitely worked. It was, had a real, what I love about the, I didn't know anything about the, the Norfolk Sea Creature when I watched it. And when it first started, I thought it was a genuine documentary. I was like, I haven't heard of the Norfolk Sea Creature. What's this, <laughs> you know, as someone that's totally engrossed in everything Fortean. And then I realised as it as it went on, and it's it's a real subtlety, the, the way that it's presented. It's so well written and the humour is very British. It's got that real British charm that kind of no other nation manages to do. Is that something that you kind of thought of doing or, or was it kind of natural in its process? Yeah, definitely. I think we, we, we all kind of grew up watching lots of British comedies and yeah. particularly sketch shows. And I think me me being in drag is kind of um, called back to a lot of famous sketch shows as well. Excellent. And where, where did you kind of, we'll talk about the, the Norfolk Sea Creature first. Where, where did you kind of come up with that idea? How did the process start? There was a, it was a really interesting process. Um, so Kyle uh, told me about his um, someone that you know uh, called Huey, uh, who's uh, what? What is he to you, Kyle? I, I always forget. Sort of um, my girlfriend's um, stepdad. I guess. Girlfriend stepdad. So uh, yeah, Huey, who's in in the film Fact or Fiction, Norfolk Sea Creature. Um, told me about how interesting uh, this guy was and how, how how many stories he sort of had and every time he sort of went round yeah he he's got a shed in the back of the garden uh with all this sort of radio equipment in it and um you just you just walk in and he just regales you with stories of like this that and the other and all these sorts of things that happened and um you were telling me once Carl, weren't you about this the story that you had about this uh the legend of the norfolk sea creature and obviously yeah. We just thought it was a load of absolute nonsense. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. We just thought it was a load of absolute nonsense. Um, but then I thought to myself, well, this is a great setting already. He's literally, as he was telling, like, telling us the story of this bloke out to sea, and 
uh, you know, he heard the signal and stuff and uh, from this bloke and this bloke was never heard from again. Um, he, I was just thinking, wow, look at this, it's perfect. Like, this looks perfect. This needs to be filmed. This, you know, Huey needs to be on film. Mm. So that's when I, we kind of like said, right, well, we can make a, we can make something around this. And then, um, yeah, we were then uh, sort of just going out. And the whole idea really was to just to, to look at the, I mean, I've, no, no one's ever heard of the Norfolk Sea Creature before. Um, you know, until I, even I thought it was an absolute ludicrous. Um, but it wasn't until we actually started interviewing random people on the street and, you know, we'd stop random people on the street and they would say, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Where then you suddenly think, oh, really? So right. it's quite, it's quite fascinating. Yeah. So that's why he was such a good actor because he wasn't actually acting. He was telling a story. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. Well, that, that kind of like really kind of answers some questions because it was, he mm. was so good. It was like, that was an Oscar winning performance if he was acting. <laughs> He was, yeah, such a great character, and that's what made it so believable. So, so there is actually mm. a Norfolk sea creature. Well, well uh, apparently, uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, it was stories that his father would tell him, but it's it's fascinating because I always, I also thought it'd be great to make a documentary that was had elements of uh, realism, but also elements of like embellishment in it as well. And the 14, you know, 14 sector is such an easy place to embellish stuff because, I mean, everything mostly is like, oh, yeah, I've seen that, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, it's um, it's such an interesting thing to do a, a documentary that's also uh, a mockumentary at the same time, uh, completing, like, you know, checking off two different checklists in one, basically. Brand new genre. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Do an entire series on different subjects. That's yeah. it, yeah. It, it worked so well. And it, like I said, it had a real charm to it as well. It was really kind of authentic and very British in its presentation and humour. And, and just really, really warm as well. Even though like there was, you know, moments in it that were meant to be kind of sad and scary. You know, it, <laughs> it had a real, a real warmth to it. Well, thank you. That's, that's, that's very nice to hear. I think it was... It was great just sort of like, you know, because one day we'd be like interviewing people on the street. The next day we'd be thinking, right, what character can we put in to make this absolutely ridiculous? You know, and, and I get to play this character. Um, uh, yeah. My cousin. Fred. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, because most because we we make films uh, on literally like we're guerrilla filmmakers. So we make films on literally next to no budget. Right. Um, and when I say next to no budget, it literally lit is. Um, <laughs> So like we yeah I'm just roping in everyone that I know to be but I, I just you know, I say to my, my uh, friends or family hey I've got this scene uh, you're gonna be great for this part we're gonna film next week okay cool thank you bye and before they can sort of say no that's it they're in it brilliant Santa and yeah. and how how well was it received the film oh people received it really well uh, haven't they Carl oh well, yeah we haven't really heard anything negative about it yeah and of yeah. Fact, as I say, fact or fiction um, is is its own kind of thing, really. And we, what we'd love to do is really make it into a a proper fourteen series of get going around, starting in uh, East Anglia and looking at all these different urban legends and things, and really uh, starting to take that that uh, forward as a series and then develop it further. Uh, and that's obviously when uh, making the Norfolk Sea Creature. That's obviously when we were inspired to make uh, the creature from Scraby Sands. So tell me about the creature of Scroby Sun. So I've seen the, the opening scene, which was 
absolutely magnificent. Um, where, where does the idea from that come from? And and is that is that also based on, on local folklore? Didn't the fictional story, the sort of seed of it happened first and originally factual fiction was going to be like a documentary trailer for a later fiction piece that we were going to make and then it just branched off to become its own thing. Is that, that's how I remember it, but I wasn't as involved in factual fiction as you two were. So, well, I mean, it's all a blur, isn't it? Really, I can't really yeah. remember what, what came yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that situation again. What came first, the documentary or the um, fiction? Well, uh, we definitely made the documentary first, and and, yeah. and we definitely wrote parts of the documentary first. But I think mm. the the idea originally was. But then um, there was the, there were the stories from Huey as well that yeah. inspired us. So it kind of all came together very similar the same time. sort of time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when you mentioned. Um, making it was just the name for me, the creature from Scrubby Sands. You came up with that one day, Jordan, and I just thought that's such a good title. We need to make that into a mm. horror movie, I think. Yeah, and, and, and you, was... uh, oh, sorry, no, you go. no, go ahead. I was gonna say at first, when you described it to me, it just sounded like you wanted to make like a five minute, um, very cheap, very quick video just for fun, and now it's looking like it's gonna be about 90 minutes in length. Yeah, it was um I mean I I have a real uh a real thing for like B movie kind of uh sort of retro cinema aesthetics. Mm. Um I I just love horror B movie, cheesy acting, sort of hammer horror type sort of uh films. And so I've always wanted to do something along those lines and um I've made a couple of like short little um sort of pilot videos to sort of t- test out what I can do. And so looking at the footage that I've filmed before and these little sort of little pilot videos, I've thought I've thought, yeah, you know, I've we've I've got a name now, Creature from Scroby Sands. Let's make this a reality, basically. Fantastic. I mean, it must have been quite intimidating playing at the the festival because you're surrounded by other other filmmakers, but everyone was really kind of blown away by the mm. the kind of the the presentation of it. Like you said, it had that almost kind of 1970s um b movie feel in the effects and everything it was so well put together it was it's really hard to believe that you didn't have a budget it had a real <laughs> high production value thank you that, that's really good to hear um it's it can we be quite intimidating syndrome, don't we? we get a bit of imposter syndrome when we sat there and we kind of yeah. see other people's films and it's clear they've got even the low budget ones you know you know their budgets are massive compared to what we spend absolutely intimidating yeah yeah, like I, I was going to say, literally, yeah, it is intimidating when you go to when we when we're submitting. Say, for example, I submitted the ten minute preview to a couple of film festivals, and um, when you look at what you're up against, you think, well, you know, we've got n- nothing compared to these guys of like at least even ten thousand pounds. Even that's not that much to make a film on, and you know, these other films have got like whole entire crews behind them. And mm. if you turn up when we're filming, there's just like us three just behind a camera and uh, well, a couple a couple of actors and a load of a load of uh, meat being chucked around on the beach you know <laughs> it was it, it really you know it really came across well Every, everyone there was so impressed with it and and you, like I said I was going to ask you what your influences were because it's it really does come across that that kind of feeling in that that trailer and it just everyone was so excited to see what's going to come next with the film so what what are you working on it now yeah, so at the moment we are in post, well, I say post-production, we're in mostly post-production, but there's a couple of scenes we still need to film. 
but it's just been far too cold to sort of finish those off really um the, the finished film is about an hour and a half long um by the looks of it uh, but we're we're still I'm still trying to just edit the film together uh, which is mostly edited together now um but then I've got to just go through it with a, a fine tooth comb and sort all that out and then we've got to obviously sit down and make sure we're happy with the the finished thing and then film these final scenes we've got to do as well um when it actually gets a little bit warmer right nice no, brilliant is that going to be um launched at the next 14 film festival then uh, i would definitely hope so i think uh the next 14 film festival is that is that not in a prison i think i, I saw somewhere it is yeah yeah it's going to wow. be on um i forgot what it's called but yeah is it, is it yeah Bod, bodmin jail bodmin, that's the one yeah, yeah bodmin jail it. which is also haunted as well so i'll be in my element oh <laughs> yeah are you gonna do like a live podcast from there yeah probably yeah <laughs> I, I i went viral um last week because i did uh i announced that i'm gonna go on 30 east drive in pontefract with a black monk on my own um overnight in the dark uh oh to God. raise money for for a, d- a domestic abuse charity and I, I expected like about 200 people watching and then in 24 hours I had 200,000 views. So I was like, <laughs> well, good. yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, definitely. So what, what kind of made you choose, you know, there's, there's a lot of kind of genres out there that are kind of quick and easy to make. You, you, you've got your horror and your thrillers and all those type of things, but you definitely have kind of a, a cryptid, Fortean kind of element to to the first two. What what's kind of got your interest in that? That's an interesting question, actually, isn't it? Um, I th- I think for me personally, um, I've always loved the unknown. Um, just like you know, you hear stories like, oh, isn't that weird? Isn't this weird? So anything that's just unknown, I absolutely just love. So the idea of making these, uh, you know, the, the for example, fact or fiction as a series about unknown stuff would just be incredible um just to because you're not only filming this stuff you're also exploring it at the same time you know uh for your own sort of personal interest which is quite fascinating what about you Carl? um i think for me a lot of it was the actual location of norfolk there's, there's just this certain sort of these bleak desolate landscapes that are very quiet and kind of eerie at times and i just think it's the perfect setting for anything 14 or kind of horror based james any thoughts for you um, yeah, I don't know if I can answer the question about um, the Fortean aspect specifically, but uh, yeah, just to just to go along with what Kyle was saying, you know, for, for me, like, I don't know if it's a small town thing or if it's just a great Yarmouth thing, but but I, I think there is a nice sort of blend between kind of like happy, chirpy characters, but there's there's also I don't know, just just a bit of an undercurrent of you know, like, like it's, it's a bit gloomy at times. You know, it's, mm. it's a bit like uh, it's a bit like a Morrissey song at times at a place like Great Yarmouth. But I think for, for, that, for that genre of the, you know, the kind of spooky Fortean um, horror genre, I, I think it really does add itself. You know, because you've got the bleak landscapes, but I think also the the characters and the people you do come across. You know, it's it's kind of like uplifting on uh, in one sense, but then it's a bit morose in another. Really, it's uh, it's quite a nice little contrast mm. yeah obviously I, I live in Scarborough and I know exactly what you mean I always call it the, the postcard and then the other side of the postcard you've got this beautiful kind of rich heritage and history of this Victorian seasides you know that was really popular and then it's kind of been left to well people took package holidays that industry's kind of yeah. 
lessened and, and it's got this now undercurrent of poverty there and it's all, mm. all those issues that there as well which um and, and just the whole seaside thing with the the folklore and the fishing heritage and there's so many kind of superstitions and everything really does lend itself to some really interesting ideas yeah and and, and i think just some of the characters you come across in great yarmouth like there is one person who I think the majority of people in the town would know, and and maybe as far as Norwich, because I believe this guy started there. But there is a, a legendary public figure in the area called um, Puppet Man, and essentially it's just a retired um, elderly man who <clears throat> just uses recycled um, hi-fis and stereos, uh, plays cassettes on them, sings really really badly. Um, and has the dirtiest puppets you've ever seen. And he just basically shakes in front of Great Yarmouth McDonald's. And <laughs> he's quite popular and raises quite a lot of money for charity. But I think, you know, a character like that, it's it's something that you would see out of Inside Number Nine or, yeah. or The League of Gentlemen or something. Mm. But it, it feels like a very sort of Yarmouth thing, you know, like no one, generally speaking, you know, doesn't give him any bother. I don't think, you know, he's, I don't think people are weirded out by him. It's just, oh yeah, that's just, it's just the puppet man, you know, it's just, <laughs> he's just doing his thing. And I, yeah. I, I think there are some really great characters that you get in sort of these, you know, quote unquote forgotten places like Scarborough and Great Yarmouth. Yeah, we had the one, two, three, four man who who literally walked down the street marching, shouting, and when I say shouting, I mean as loud as humanly possible. <laughs> one, two, three, four in a military style, and people would just be walking quietly, and he just suddenly start, and people would just jump out the skin. There was also yeah. tra traffic light man who stood at traffic lights just. Say go, they're giving people directions, and phone box man who who crouched down in phone boxes for hours at a time, and then sprinted to another phone box and crouched down. So, wow. So, yeah, I think there are so many characters that you know that, that and if, if you're that way inclined to you know try to dive into storytelling, you know there are characters everywhere, and it's 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 quite sort of it's good source material, isn't it, to mm. to create your own. Uh, backstories for them and, and these are exactly the kind of people we actually want to interview in real life <laughs> it's a fact or fiction so yeah puppet man is actually in fact <laughs> he is fiction. yeah yeah is it? i don't know if, you, if you've seen it james but we, we recently released um some kind of bonus footage sort of spin-off of fact or fiction no tell me about that it's about a doomsayer who um he kind of patrols great Yarmouth seafront with a sandwich board handing out leaflets warning ah. people about the so it's kind of additional content. We, we've got one of those in Scarborough as well. He, he oh, really? Wow. Yeah. He's a guy who, who comes in town every day with a yeah sandwich board saying the end of the world is next year, handing out leaflets. But what's interesting is the guy's the slowest walker I've ever seen, which considering it's the end of the world, <laughs> it's quite ironic. That's great. <laughs> no, it's amazing these, these, these characters that you do get. And um, I, I love the fact that you're kind of using them as inspiration for your films. It's very Monty Python in a way. Absolutely. <laughs> the great British eccentric needs to be celebrated. Yeah, yeah definitely. So what's um what what's your kind of your your plans for this this film that you're doing at the moment? It's a very a good question because um once we've made it, we know we want to do a, a premiere at our local cinema for the mm. Red Carpet event. And then after that, well I guess we don't really know we haven't really thought that far ahead, really, have we? We're just concentrating on making it. And once it's made, we'll kind of go from there, I think. Mm -hmm. We don't really know what to do with it once it's done. 
Yeah, we've got a couple of ideas of, of what's next, but, but they are just, you know, just little seeds of ideas. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, I wouldn't say we're necessarily torn, but but, but I think, you know, we're, we're eager to try other genres, but then at the same time, we're also eager, eager to, uh, you know, strike while the iron's hot and maybe stay within the same genre. Mm -hmm. um, but but I, 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 yeah, I mean, for me personally, I'm, I'm very focused on, on just getting the film done and then on to the next stage which is the uh the premiere and hopefully maybe even a village hall tour uh, across the north and then <laughs> yeah. once that's in full swing then maybe you know we'll be spending a lot more time together so uh i'm sure you know ideas will just come to us at that point because we'll probably get the itch to create something together again i mean i i really had the idea of um i would love to do like a um a, a midnight showing on the beach like projected onto the beach wow i think that'd be amazing but with like um someone dressed up as like as, as like a creature and like um making weird noises every so every so often you know but really subtly so like people would be like oh i think i heard something over by the jeans you know um just very subtly i think that'd be quite cool i don't, I don't know the logistics of that though at all i think that's just an absolute pipe well, dream but I... creature costume isn't it obviously well yeah yeah <laughs> someone just dressed up in this rubber this rubber creature costume just run around the beach while the film's playing I think I think that'd be amazing, but as I say, that's just logistics. That's probably a nightmare, really. I think the Arts Council would love to fund that, and I'd love to see the bid as well. Do you think? Yeah, put we want to put on a show and have someone dressed as a creature scrambling around <laughs> at the same time. They'd love it. The the funny thing is, though, like, I don't think. Um, well, you, I think you've got a little bit of knowledge, Carl, but like all three of us probably haven't got much knowledge in how to put events on. So, like, um, but I, I love the idea of putting putting an event on, but it being a shambles. I think that, I, there, there's <laughs> something funny. There's, there's something funny about it. Like, like what was the, the fact? The first time we ever premiered Fact or Fiction in Great Yarmouth, um, we had like a, a premiere night, and uh, yeah, that was a bit of a shambles because like, James, you were playing a character in that and like actually talking to the audience, and he didn't even have a script or nothing. He was just winging it. Um, we had we had Jacob Fisher um, doing his his memoirs, but again, he he. It just was reading off a sheet, you know, like it was it was absolute shambolic. But people seem we to love it. Though. From the documentary as well. Yeah, uh, we so the the idea I love about fact or fiction is we set up all this memorabilia from the film and film props, like in the background, like a sort of like a a museum exhibit, so you can go around and actually watch, uh, not watch, but look at some of the stuff that's actually in the film, and like support and evidence as well. Um, so I like the idea of having like these interactive film screenings. You know what I mean? I love that. That's a that's a wonderful. It's almost like a cabinet of curiosities during a, a film. Yeah, basically, yeah. But um, the worst thing was though we had we had I spent all day laying out all this stuff, and then when people walked in to to watch the premiere, they just took a seat straight away and bypassed all the stuff we'd laid out, and <laughs> we were just like, oh right, how did you get people to look at this stuff that we've spent all day laying out? And I've <laughs> like tea staining paper and using calligraphy you know to yeah write yeah we, we're tea staining stuff uh paper to write these these memoirs from 1800 odd and all the rest of it and i was up researching marine biology and uh <laughs> up until two in the morning and uh yeah people just didn't look at it you know <laughs> and it went until we i said to james right tell them they've got loads of stuff at the back to look at it's funny. it's funny people don't really deal with subversion of what's the norm very that's well it. yeah we, that's we it. put we put on a gig once and um we, we 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 charge like an astronomical price 
or you could do something like bring a poem, bake a cake for everyone. Or so, and people were so confused. It's like they, wow. they didn't know quite how to react, but we wanted we wanted to separate the band from being elite at, to having everyone as a, an artist and performer within the show. Yeah. Um, and then, but after, after that, the first time people were really awkward, but then it, the next time they're like, I've done this and I want to bring this and it, they kind of got into it. And it just sometimes takes a little bit to, to get that momentum, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I found that, that screening quite awkward anyway, because um, at previous screenings, I think, people kind of got the humour straight away and they were laughing. But at, at this one, they took it really seriously. They really believed it was a serious documentary. And it sort of took, it was almost halfway through the film and nobody had laughed yet. Nobody right. <laughs> understood any of the jokes. But then towards the end, as soon as they saw um, Jordan in drag playing um, Janice Jones, is it? The, the yeah. Yorkshire woman. They got it by that point and they were laughing away. So, yeah. That's brilliant. You almost need a film of the viewing of the film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's different every time. Yeah, the reaction. Yeah, which is nice. I, I watched a play recently, and the there was a Q and A afterwards, and the uh, the artists were were just absolutely like dumbfounded that that no one laughed at all the entire play. Like oh, it's God. been all over the world, and when it came to Scarborough, just everyone sat there <laughs> like blank blank faced. It was <laughs> quite. <laughs> I, I was laughing inside, but because I was the only one, I didn't kind of. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting how different audience kind of makes a, you know, makes that that whole on this show. I talk about consciousness a lot and and how people interact together almost subconsciously to create the the one thing that might be an audience. Mm, definitely. So, guy, what what's I've noticed with with the films that you make is that the the region that you're in is a almost like a character in the film. It's obviously a really important part of your your films. What what how much is that is on purpose and how much of it just kind of happened naturally? Um well in, in terms of the uh the, the writing process, like I, I personally uh I have a bit of a gripe with uh, a, a lot of my uh friends and, and and a lot of other people in the town who will you know, just just sort of carte blanche, just just sort of shoot it down and say like, you know, there's there's nothing of worth here. The best thing about Great Yarmouth is leaving Great Yarmouth. That's that that kind of attitude. And mm. you know, some of my closest friends sort of felt as if you know their lives would be so much better when they moved to London or when they moved to Manchester or when they move abroad. And I I, I had a similar feeling myself, and I I, I moved to China in um, 2016, and I think within about two months I, I realized, oh, it's just like Places are just places, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think that, you know, of course, like Shanghai is like, you know, so many more people and so many thought, so many more things happening at once. But if you want to create something, you can just create something. It doesn't matter where you are. Like as long as, as long as you, you're able to build up like enough of an interest and kind of manage your expectations. And, and then after that, I, I then really started, you know, going to the bat in defense of, of towns mm -hmm. like Great Yarmouth because you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to move to London or Manchester or Shanghai or wherever. But at the same time, if you don't want to move or, or, or maybe question why you want to move and, you know, is that really, really necessary? So so in, in the writing of Creature from Scroby Sands specifically, which is, yeah, that, that, that was um, that was the film that I was more involved with um, in a writing sense. You know, I, I really, really wanted to try to 
you know, kind of bolster what the town actually has because, you know, everywhere's different. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, nowhere's necessarily better or worse. It's all down to your individual taste. But, you know, towns shouldn't really have the ability to hold people back. You know, if, if you want to do something, just just do it. Yeah, there's a it's similar culturally in, in Scarborough as well. I, I'm from London originally, so I kind of came on holiday to Scarborough and saw its beauty. And so many people really down on, on the place. And it, it does sometimes take them to, to move away and, and to realise actually what, what is special and unique and the charm as well of these these places. And the the reach, the, the really rich, deep history that's there as well, that's kind of forgotten yeah, about and missed. And it's amazing how many people feel that sentiment of, I need to get out of here, it's a dump. And then they spend a few years away and, and kind of they have kids and immediately want to bring them back. Yeah. It's, it's yeah it's interesting so what what was what was china like then how how what were you doing over there um so i was teaching english as a foreign language um but while i was over there that's where i really um i got i got really really homesick within about six weeks and then i thought you know i, I could just come home and then th that would be the end of the trip you know it'd just be a two-month holiday as opposed to actually moving abroad um, but I thought, well, while I'm here, why not, you know, try to work with that uncomfortable feeling and try to create something here. And um, at that point in time, I was more interested in performance poetry. So I just thought, right, I'm going to write a blog about me trying different things. And the first project I had was just to put together a poetry night with no experience of event organizing or anything like that. Um, so even though, yeah, I, I went over... I chose China because I was I wanted to sort of shock my system a little bit. And before going, I thought, you know, the most foreign place I can imagine is mm. China. But you're moving to Shanghai. So you're basically moving to London. Mm. You know, it's, it's it's so cosmopolitan. It's not, you know, quote unquote foreign. And I think, you know, uh, being being a white, young British man, I think it's hard to kind of get that foreign feeling that, that that I was sort of going for because it, it got to the point where I, I was trying to learn the language but as soon as I would walk into a store you know I, in my mind I was psyching myself up and like right I'm gonna practice you know just buying simple things at the, at the, at the corner store and then people would like run behind the, the, the counter and just be like good morning and how are you today sir and, and it's yeah it was um it, it was a very very good experience um but, but as I said, it was when I was there that I realized, you know, I don't think I need to move to the other side of the world to sort of justify doing something creative and original mm. and something that makes me happy. You know, I, you know, towns like Great Yarmouth and Scarborough don't have every opportunity going. But if, 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 if all you're ambitious for is to be able to create something and make something special and something yours, and mm. something you know, that, that you think is worthy of being shared with other people, then you don't need to move to the other side of the world just to do that. That's fantastic. You just, yeah. It, we, we, I was once in a room, it was last year actually, with a load of people that were wanting to do something really creative to celebrate the town. And as we were talking kind of about our history, we realised every single person that loved the town and wanted to do something was actually not originally from Scarborough, which is a really sad thing, you know, and it's, it's sometimes a great thing to celebrate the, the area that you live in. And, you know, by you guys making that area a, a character and a setting in your film in itself is, is a really lovely way of doing that. Yeah, definitely. definitely. It is a celebration of the town. But yeah. um, I 
some people watching it may think the opposite because a lot of the characters in the film will slag off the town completely in mm. some ways that aren't nice. So, but really, it's, it's, it's definitely a tribute to our town. We love our town. We love Great Yarmouth. We love putting it on film. And yeah, we just wanted to show it off. And I don't think we could have made this film uh, anywhere else other than Great Yarmouth. Mm -hmm. It's very unique to the town. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. That's wonderful to hear. And I loved on the um, the Norfolk Sea creature those those scenes of the beach and the the um, windmills and you know it's so identifiable and unique to that that part of the world. Yeah, it's a really interesting place to to. I I absolutely love putting a great Amazon film, um, just because like the uh, the people um or the powers that be so um up for just changing everything about great yarmouth and mm. like uh just modernizing it making it mm. different making it new and um i'm just so keen to, to to put everything on film as i remember it now or as as there's so much i've missed uh before i even sort of started filmmaking sort of properly um that i wish i'd got on film um i'm just so keen to, to put it all on film um just so it can be you know documented at least um, before the whole place is completely just modernised and um, what what's the word gentrified? That's 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 the word I look for before mm. they gentrify the place. Yeah, yeah. There's there's that you know again it's probably very similar the two towns where there's there's a real kind of drive to to bring Primark for example onto the high street and and they think it's going to bring people but people have yeah. Primark on their high street and then I go to Whitby just up the road. And there's a whole kind of market area that's a big market area, and every single shop is not a chain shop. It's unique and it's it's owned privately, and it features local people's art. And you can't move; it's so full and packed. And and because that's what makes people want to go to it because it's unique. You can discover something completely new. And there's the things there that's made made in China, for example, next to a local artist, you know, piece of work. And it, it, there's something really kind of beautiful about that. And, and we've got the old town in Scarborough, which is just ignored, which is, you know, ancient, you know, since, since Ice Age times. And then it was a Viking settlement and we just don't celebrate it. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, but that's old and we need to leave it behind. And it's got this beautiful, rich history. And that's one of the things I'm trying to do with the paranormal videos as well is I just do short stories on, on TikTok and talk about the ghost stories of that area. And some people have actually seen them and, and gone to visit and find the places. And there's so many all over the town and and, and this history. Wow. And it's just a really, it is a, is a character. It's it's a massive part of my life. And I I can't see myself moving away from Scarborough now, although I go to mm -hmm. London a lot. And, and, you know, I'm a big football supporter and, and like to go down and watch my team play and all those type of things. I always do want to come back after a while and, and need to be close to the sea as well. That's a strange feeling. When you move yeah. inland, when you live by the sea, there's always that urge that wants to bring you back. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a big it's it's a big part of where we live is just having that having that whole beach there is just a whole canvas ready to ready to go. You know. Mm. I was going to say, um, it seems like there are a lot of similarities between Scarborough and Great Yarmouth, definitely. And maybe in the future we could collaborate and do an episode of Fact or Fiction in Scarborough. <laughs> Well, I've got plenty of characters to interview here. <laughs> you yeah. wouldn't even have to find them out. You just stand on the street for a little while, and uh, yeah. yeah, fantastic. Point us in the right direction. We'll be there. <laughs> Definitely. So, what? Who are your kind of heroes in filmmaking and your influences? 
for me personally it's always been Hitchcock um just I just literally loved uh Hitchcock watching Hitchcock films uh you know the master suspense uh, mm. everything the dark humor as well um I just absolutely love that kind of uh and the way he inserts himself into every film as well is brilliant you know um yeah so I, I kind of love that what about you Carl? Um, I've always loved uh, the film Alien, and I think we've taken some influence from some of the suspense and horror in that film, in Creature from Toby's Hands as well. Definitely inspiring films. Um, in terms of filmmaking, you know, you know it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but um, I, I think the first time I realised that I love cinema, it, it, it was because of Quentin Tarantino. You know, it's mm-hmm. it is a cliche, but but, it, but it's hard to deny the man. You know, he he, mm. he does have still is very very good um <clears throat> but then in terms of writing i think it was the first time i saw clerks that was the first time and, and finding out that that was a, a very low budget film you know it was a college film by kevin smith mm. uh, that, that made me realize that you know it's, it's strange how clerks became you know a sort of somewhat mainstream movie even though you know it's it's very very dialogue heavy characters talk about sort of absolutely nothing and, and you know plot is just about a day working at a corner shop but it's it's weird how successful that was mm. um, but then in terms of writing again you know it, it's 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 very I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by a lot of classic British writing you know like every day I, I, I debate whether or not I think you know Only Fools and Horses is the greatest British comedy or Porridge you know mm. and I think it, it's hard again to, de- to deny the writing prowess of a John Sullivan or a Dick Clements and Ian Lefrenet um, and even going back older than that, you know, like um, with, with Tony Hancock, with Hancock's Half Hour, and uh, mm. Ray Galton and Alan Simpson, you know, I just, uh, in terms of the actual writing and the characterization within, you know, film and television, I, I, I think, you know, classic British sitcoms from the 60s all the way up until, you know, probably about the in-betweeners, you know, mm. uh, I, I do think it's really, really hard to beat, and that, that is very inspirational. Do you remember what you said to me when we were filming the car scene? I think you turned and said, "Are we filming Great Yarmouth's version of the League of Gentlemen?" Yes. And it, yeah, it does. It does kind of feel like that. Yeah, so yeah definitely. There was definitely some inspiration there. Yeah. I think. Too. It was. It was so well done. It was really like everyone was like, "I, I need to see the rest of that." It. It. It was so natural. It was just. It. You didn't seem like some guys that were just making a film. It was like the BBC, you've been doing it for 20 years and the BBC had funded this. It was, you know, genuinely was was brilliant. Thank you. That's very nice to hear. Well, I'm kind of like interested to, to, to think about what you think the rest of the film is, is about and like after seeing that 10 minute preview. It's... Well, I've I, I got to I'll come up with my whole <laughs> scenario, <laughs> I guess. I mean, so, yeah, the scene was was a guy being a bit leery with a slightly coy lady in the car. Is that right? And yeah. um, and then he's messing about pretending there's this monster and then there is a monster or is there? That's kind of where it where it ended. Is that right? I say, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Is is the predator? The predator that gets sexual predators in the film. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's uh, yeah. It's it's interesting. It just to make because as I say, that's just like the first ten minutes of that. I mean, it's quite a bit of a joke, really, because we have the first we, we have a ten minute preview of the film that we've we've sent out to a few film festivals and that's gone around the circuit. And um, 
but seven minutes of that is just the credits, the intro credits, which is which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like it's interesting to see what because even the main characters, the four main characters, aren't even in that ten minute preview. Right. So um, so yeah, because it's quite fascinating to sort of like to see what people sort of think of it. Uh, you know, what the whole film's going to be about. That that also proves how memorable it was because I saw so many films that weekend, and yet yours really stuck in my head as well. Oh, thank you. What what? So we talked about your your kind of influences. What do you hate? What do you hate in film? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'll I'll go out and say I hate Marvel Marvel movies completely. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, too much CGI, I think. Yeah. There'll be loads of people sending me abuse when I put this out. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but uh, I, I, I really, really detest just really poorly written dialogue. And it's one of those mm. things where I'm going out on a limb here because someone could easily watch Preacher on Scrooby Sands uh, when it comes out and goes, you know, no one actually talks like that. But like, I'm, yeah, I, I, I tried very, very hard to make the character sound you know, realistic and natural. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, unfortunately, I, I can't think of anything specifically that uh, that winds me up. Well, the biggest thing, obviously, is that, as you well know, that old that old trope. As, as you well know, this is happening. Da, 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 da. Yeah, did we do a bit of that? Yeah, yeah, we did. We we did though as a kind of like as an in joke. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So, so in terms of, of, of specifics, even though I just you know a big up John Sullivan for his writing of Only Fools and Horses, but, <laughs> but in terms of that unnatural dialogue, uh, I think it's within the first five minutes of the first episode, um, Big Brother, uh, back from nineteen eighty one or two. Sorry, th- th- this isn't Mastermind. Um, <laughs> but 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 th- th- there is a moment where where Rodney is seen making a count. Um, and Delboy questions him and Rodney says, you know, well, I'm sure you're trying to screw me over somewhere. And then, you know, Delboy sort of acts hurt. And then out from nowhere just says, need I remind you that you were five years old when mum died? And it's like, no brother would say that to another one, you know, like that they, they both experienced that event. You know, mm. like clear that, that, that Delboy is just telling the audience that. And I guess in the first episode to sort of set the scene and to, to, to kind of explain the relationship between the two brothers, it's necessary. But every time I watch that now, maybe because I know the characters so well, it feels very sort of, it's a bit too on the nose, you know. Mm. And I just wondered if uh, if a young John Sullivan back then in, in the early 1980s could have, you know, sort of put in that, 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 that information in a bit more of a, a subtle place. But I guess you're working with a, a very, very, you know, uh, tight, Deadline, oh, the timeline for for the actual um, runtime. Sorry, mm. um, yeah, maybe you just needed to get it in and get it out. Do, do you like any kind of American comedies, James? Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, again, I, I don't know if I, I wouldn't say I'm proud to say, it, but I'm I'm a very big fan of Friends. Yeah. Um, when I was a teenager, absolutely loved My Name Is Earl, but I felt as if uh, it totally went south on the last season mm. i'm a big fan of american uh professional wrestling i guess you know some people might consider that to be a bit of a comedy yeah, uh, yeah. friends i don't think i've ever met anyone that's honestly watched it and not enjoyed it it's yeah it's fantastic it was just really well done 
Um, I don't know if they because my main listenership at the moment is in the states, and uh, I don't know if they've they've ever seen Only Fools and Horses. Right. Well, they're That'd missing be, out if they haven't. Be a treat for them and the in betweeners. Yeah, they're literally missing out. It's brilliant. What what's um you you you're looking at kind of doing a series of these these fact or fiction things. Where where do you think you you might go next with it? Oh, we've we've spoke about different things, and uh, there's so many. Like, there's a there's a demon dog here uh, called Black Shuck, who roams around East Anglia. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, so that that's something that could because because the difference is with with like what we're like with the Norfolk Sea creature. Like, a few people had heard of it, but some people like most people hadn't, and they're like, "Well, what the hell's that?" Um, Whereas like black shucks like something that's well known, or if you or if you focused on like UFOs, that's something that's well known. I'd love to do UFOs. What were you saying about that a uh, UFO group, Kyle? I don't know if we want to give the game away just yet, but we, we did we, we spotted a few groups on Facebook for sort of UFO hunters, and we thought maybe we could infiltrate one of these groups and um, pretend we're making a very very serious documentary. <laughs> <laughs> serious yeah. you know i'm not saying there is no such thing as ufos at so, all so, so I, I can't remember if this was a national story or if it was a great yarmouth story which may have gone national uh, it was from a few years ago but, but I, I remember reading in our local rag uh, the great yarmouth mercury um someone claimed to have seen a ufo flying from uh, flying outside their window in, in, in the night sky and they described it as a wheelie bin on fire <laughs> what <laughs> That's amazing. I'll try and yeah, I'll try and have a search on the internet, but I can't remember if it was if it was just a national story, and for some reason I just assumed you know it sounded like that's what someone in the army would say, or um, if I did actually yeah. see. It. I mean, we could get like we could maybe apply for funding to reconstruct that. Um, we get some nitros on the back of a wheelie bin. Give that a go. That's amazing. I mean, that has <laughs> to be a film. Yeah, wheel a bit of fire oh, and, and fairy cows as well as apparently uh folklore in great yarmouth oh, I've not heard, what, cow fairies oh i don't know i've not i haven't heard of that one it says uh i've, ju- I've just googled great yarmouth folklore and it says fairy cows that magically appear in drafts fairy cow i've not heard of that one at all but that's fascinating so there you go there's some more inspiration well, there you go. I'm literally Googling now. <laughs> a fairy cow of South Lockman. There you go. I mean, imagine if you got a, a flying wheelie bin on fire and fairy cows all in the same film. I mean, that, <laughs> I Marvel will have nothing on that. No, definitely. But I, I love the idea. Yeah, I love the idea of like trying to. I don't even know if the stuff, if the equipment's real or not, but you know, like those EV recorders and things you get. Um, mm. I don't know where that, I don't know where the hell you buy that from. Um, but like, I'd love to just go around with that and like a, a night vision cameras and stuff, and just like you know, I think it'd be great just to just to really do that. So like, because there's loads of these like ruins here as well. Going around not knowing what we're talking about, making fools of ourselves, anything like that, we we love. Sorry, what was that, Carl? You, you... Oh, I, I, don't think, I don't think it catches you quite well because you're off to the side. We love the idea of kind of not knowing what we're talking about and just going out and making a documentary, not having done our research and making fools of ourselves. Yeah. It's um, what what I love about the Fortean is, I mean, part of my belief in the paranormal itself is there's always evidence without enough evidence for there to be evidence. And 
there's always that element of disbelief. And I think that's almost on purpose because it's meant to be an individual thing. But what I love is, is it's a world surrounded by very serious scientific people who are also lumped in with people that are absolutely off their rockers. Yeah. And, and there's this wonderful mixture that it always adds that element of th- making things completely having no credential because you're mixed in with all these different types of people. Um, and, and it's just one of the wonderful things about it. And it kind of, I love the idea of exploring that. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many different like avenues you could take it and all, all the different characters as well. Um, you know, and, and these, you know, these, I mean, I was, I was watching some of these uh, 14 um, programs like, specifically about like uh, these documentaries about like Loch Ness Monster, for example. Mm. I think it was on Amazon Prime. I was watching a couple of like, these documentaries. I think they were made in like the early 2000s or whatever. And um, you, always the evidence that they'd have these pictures would just be like a, a tiny little ripple in the mm. water and it's just absolutely amazing because that's that's the whole that the hint everything's hinged on this one photograph for this like hour-long documentary and it's just it just fascinates me i just absolutely love just how much of like how just fascinating it is it's yeah it really is interesting there's that almost a desperation to believe and yeah it, it, that 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 kind of wanting to find something that's not tangible to to allow yourself to kind of explore beyond that that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So what are your favorite cryptids? You, both your films are about cryptids. What, what are your favorites? Well, this is where we absolutely fall apart because, uh, and show that we know nothing about 14 stuff at all. Um, because a cryptid is a, is a, explain that what that is. So yeah, cryptids are anything that are kind of like the, those creatures like the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot right. that are like, People keep seeing and there's kind of a belief that they exist, but there's no kind of there's no scientific confirmation as as fact as of yet, if you know what I mean. See, yeah, this as I say, this is how much of a farce we are. We're making these like we've made a 14 documentary and even know what a cryptid is. <laughs> about a cryptid. I love <laughs> that though. Yeah, we're just literally just like doing it. It's like, yeah, this seems cool. Let's just let's just make it. You know, we don't we don't no research, no nothing, and it's just it's just fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I would say I would say for me personally, um, I've seen some. Uh, there was this YouTube channel um with this guy. He does like top five videos, which mm. which I absolutely love. Uh, because he's got this like uh really monotone voice, and it's absolutely great. And uh, the amount of like videos you've seen of him doing like Bigfoot stuff, you know, the top five Bigfoot sightings, mm. and it's just fascinating because you always see like these little like things walk like you know, this little figure walking through the woods or walking across a road or something. Then he's gone the next frame. Uh, mm. So for me, it's got to be it's got to be Bigfoot really because that is quite a fascinating. Thing. Even though I know ne- even though I know next to nothing about it, mm. just from the videos that I've seen alone, I think that's quite quite an interesting thing and there has been reports of a suffolk sasquatch here actually mm, in yeah yeah um, yeah it's quite uh which is quite interesting what about you carl um well i was gonna say for me it's actually yeah the suffolk sasquatch i think i, don't <laughs> think, I think it's a great name for um that kind of creature and the story's great so yeah i'll go with that uh for me it's um Again, like, you know, uh, truthfully, um, it, it's not something that I 
look too deeply in. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit more of a, you know, the old-fashioned conspiracy theorist. Uh, right. Well, um, back in the day, you know, conspiracy theorist. But before it was a dirty term. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, but when I was in um, when I was in first year of university, um, totally straight. My my housemate just came up to me one day. He just looked me square in the eye and he just said, "Are you a Nephilim?" And I was right. like, "What? What's a Nephilim?" And he was like, "You know, they're angels that have been sent down from heaven to look after regular human beings." And I was like, "I can assure you, I'm not a Nephilim, mate." And then after that, like, I was just thinking, like, why? Why would he ask that? Like, like, what is a Nephilim? And then, and then I, I sort of stumbled across, you know, like Nephilim mythology and just, mm. you know, quite sort of. Um, I feel like I'm bigging myself up here now because I was going to say like visually striking people, but more in terms of you know physical stature because I'm I'm six foot just under six foot five and uh, I'm a pretty pretty heavy boy, and um, yeah, and th th there have been times uh, you know in 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 the world when you know regular seemingly regular people have done like extraordinary things you know like um, move a car out of the yeah. way like, like careening towards like a child in the road. Mm. People who just in in a split second, you know, achieve like amazing feats that that are normally impossible. Yeah. And uh, I, I I did find you know the stories around that very very interesting. So I'll be a little bit different and say Nephilims. Yeah, I lo I love that as well. And though yeah, I love those sto strange stories. I I saw one on TV once on on the news. It was actual news rather than you know, some YouTube thing of, of a woman who'd lifted up a tractor by herself because a child was stuck underneath. And even if you had 50 people, they probably couldn't lift up a tractor. It's, it's you know, amazing. H have you ever had any paranormal experience, any of you? Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish I could say I have, but I don't think I have. Um, I'm not out of, not out of not willing. Yeah, we used to go out into the woods a lot um, when we were like sort of in our very early twenties, didn't we? And we'd, we'd take a torch yeah. and we'd go around, kind of hoping to get to get scared or um, see something. Yeah, it never really happens. And the amount of the amount of ruins we went to as well, because um, yeah, we, we'd all just like learn how to drive and stuff, and we we're like, mm. right, we've got these cars, let's all go to the nearest ruins and just like go out here. So there'd be like a group of us just going to the nearest, but like, Borough Castle was one that's nearby. Uh, which is an old castle like, on top of a hill and um I supposedly supposedly haunted whatever etc but none of us ever saw anything no that's a shame for me it, 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 I, it's, it's been a while since i was asked this question and i always start off by saying i know ghosts aren't real oh but know your audience they're the best. They're the best stories, though. That when people who don't believe in it have an experience, are the most fascinating. Okay, so so okay, so so yeah, maybe I shouldn't just say I know ghosts aren't real because that's not totally true. Like I don't have evidence that ghosts aren't real. So so so, so I'll re I will rephrase that and say you know I personally don't believe ghosts are real. Mm. However, I have had I have had a paranormal experience, or mm. uh, I definitely paranormal memory and it's it's nothing really that grand um but but when i was about i was between the ages of eight and twelve 
and uh, my father used to work nights. Uh, my mum would, you know, sort of stay up until about 12 or, or, or one o'clock in the morning or whatever. And if I couldn't sleep, I would go downstairs and I'd watch TV with her and just chat. And, and I always found, you know, without my father in, like, in the house, my mum was a lot more sort of open and just sort of willing to basically give, give me a bit more sort of undivided attention. Um, it feels like a therapy session. Um, but <laughs> I, I remember that, that there was one time when she was talking about my late grandfather who died when I was two. And so he's my, uh, my paternal grandfather. And I've always sort of felt that from my paternal family side, um, I've just never really, really fit in. I've, I've always sort of felt more from my mother's side, which is why my, my pseudonym is James Weeds. You know, but, uh, Weeds is my mother's uh, maiden name. Mm. And um, but she was telling me about my paternal grandfather and she just said, you know, before he died, like, like you were his favorite grandchild, you know, like he absolutely idolized you. Um, but he died when I was 18 months old. And I remember saying to my mom, like, I feel as if I was robbed because, you know, it's someone from my dad's side who other than my father, you know, I felt like I could have got on with. Um, and I remember, you know, it was about half past 12. My mom said, you really, really should go to bed now. Um, and the last thing I said to her was, I really wish I could see him again because I don't remember him. And I turned out of the living room, walked around into the hall, and on the first two steps, I saw what looked like my dad just looking up at me. Mm. But you know, I could sort of tell that it wasn't, you know, a human figure, uh, or in, in terms of like a physical uh, being. And so I stopped and I just looked and then I just ran back into the living room and I, I explained to my mom, I said, I think I've just seen, I think I've just seen my granddad. <laughs> and uh, my mom straight away, like just believed instantly. And she was like, mm. tell me, tell me like, uh, like, what did you see? We ran back to the steps and of course nothing was there. And so I mimicked what I saw. And she said, she said that's really weird because like when he used to visit us, um, he died of lung cancer. Um, when he used to visit us uh, when, when I was a newborn, he would, you know, sort of make the, the five minute walk to our house, but because he was so exhausted because he didn't have enough oxygen, he would always just sit on the two steps leaning as I, like, as I was showing my mom. Right. And it's things, you know, where, where, you know, like the logical part of me, the rational side of me is just like, well, it can't be true. But at the same time, you know, there, there's enough of a coincidence that I guess, you know, I'm, yeah. So, so I, I, I'm, I'm always eager to sort of share my paranormal, like, my paranormal story without actually fully believing that's amazing i love that story that's absolutely wonderful i love that that's fantastic so we're, we're almost running out of time on the on the, the call so i most important thing is how can people find out about your work where can they go and see your stuff so they uh if you want to find out more about uh, our work and our upcoming horror film the creature from scroby sands um people can google at js studios media and uh, that's our uh, our handle for everything our youtube uh instagram facebook that's at js studios media um or if you just type in the creature from scroby sands that'll come up with us on youtube that's probably the easiest way to uh, keep for updates on the channel there is a it's a one minute trailer for the film and you can actually see the, the main characters um which aren't in the preview and there's even a very very close up of um the creature Fantastic. also Let's not forget the fact or fiction YouTube channel as well. Of Wonderful. course, yeah, because they are separate. Yeah, they are separate entities. And um, so you've got JS Studios Film and Photography, and that's uh, that's uh, our main sort of YouTube channel for our main films. 
and uh, Fact or Fiction is his own separate uh, entity, which if you, uh, the handle for that is at Fact or Fiction UK, and that's where we upload separate Fact or Fiction videos. It's quite confusing, actually, if, if I'm honest. It, what, what I'll do is I'll include them all in the notes, so anyone that wants to go and check them out can go oh, and into the notes and give them a click and, and go and search, and I recommend everyone does. It's, um, it's brilliant work, and I think thank we'll you. be um, seeing a lot more of you guys in the future. So thank you so much for, for coming and talking to, to us today. No, thank you for having us. It's been really nice. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening, everyone. I really enjoyed that chat. To do that quality level of film with hardly any budget at all just demonstrates what really kind of high artistic and intelligence and ability that these these guys have. And they're also just really lovely. They're really lovely people, which means a lot as well, doesn't it? So go and check their film out. Honestly, they're really... You know, it's so entertaining. You'll you'll love it. And and yeah, just thank you so much for listening. As always, um, you can email 40newspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on Twitter. And I've managed to get logged in on the old Instagram again. So we're back there as well. I've also announced the winner for The Ghost. And I have emailed you on Twitter as well. So if you enter to make sure you check your inbox on Twitter and get back to me so I can uh, I can send it out to you thank you all again for listening um, and take care everyone and I will speak to you all soon much love good night thank you for listening to the 14 news podcast please check the show notes for the link to coffee to buy James a cup of coffee to help him stay awake while he writes the show you can also show your appreciation by leaving a review and telling your friends Until next time.